Hey, what's going on, my friends? Dr. Drill with the Making Motivation Podcast. Today was kind of a crazy fucking day, man. Not because, like, there were all kinds of nutty things going on or some great debacle or anything like that. It was just another fucking crazy-ass day during this coronavirus bullshit. I woke up, slept in a little bit. I slept in till almost 10 o'clock in the morning. And I wake up, you know, I'm all fucking, if I had hair on my head, it'd be bedhead. I sit and I have a little bit of breakfast, cup of coffee, trying to come to here. My wife and kids are sitting at the um, dining room table with their laptops out, doing homework, trying to get through. You could tell that things weren't quite as busy in terms of the homework. It's getting towards the end of the week. You know how that goes with schoolwork or jobs or whatever, where people are, they're just smelling the barn door, so to speak, which I have to look up the origin of that phrase. It might not mean what I think it means, but I learned the phrase smelling the barn door means like you're anticipating something, like begging the question. So people are begging the question of the weekend, even though weekends really don't mean shit, technically. I mean, there is some expectation that people who are working from home, like teachers and whoever, there is an expectation that they um, get some things done and that they go on and have a meeting or they do whatever, and increasingly it's like, what the fuck are we doing here? But people are happy to have jobs, right? So anyway, they're sitting there at their laptop stations, and I go give everybody a hug and a kiss, eating my oatmeal, drinking my coffee. I didn't have to be down to the office till 4 o'clock. I go down to the office at, like, midnight. No, fucking midnight. This guy doing? He just stopped walking on the sidewalk. He just stopped for a moment. And just standing there dumbfounded. All right, now he's moving. Got, like making some progress, 7 o'clock at night, 7.23 to be exact, and he's walking on the sidewalk, and it just comes to a halt, look at that, just ran a fucking red light, <clears throat> people are turning a blind eye, the freaking traffic signals around here, what the hell, so uh, I get down to the office around 2 p.m., and I'm sitting there, I'm getting some paperwork. Now, I'm, I've been on this mission to try to create some sort of business. Like, uh, I had two patients on my schedule today. That's about seven so far for the week. Maybe there'll be ten or twelve. A cool dozen for this week. Maybe. So I'm there, I'm trying to do some telemedicine. In other words, what I've been doing is, I don't know about you, but I don't want to receive any fucking phone calls. So what I've been doing is my existing patients that would be on my schedule, I reach out to them and I try to communicate, hey, I try try to leave them with some good information, try to drop some knowledge on them. So I've got a bunch of different, like the four pillars, uh, mental well-being. So I 
share with them something about a uh, mindfulness meditation. Then exercise, a video of me exercising, showing them a maneuver. Then I share with them um, some sort of motivation. And here's me again, talking them through how to stay motivated or whatever. I'm using people. And then finally, there's comic relief. So these are all things that, you know, that I've done over the years, little uh, multimedia that I've captured of me in action, trying to motivate people. I've been very effective at doing so, so I figured I'd share it. And this is my version of telemedicine. Like, via email, via social media, I'm going to send this to you. Try this stuff. Just trying to help people, man. Just trying to fucking help people. I can't put my hands on them. They can't come in for an appointment. They can't justify leaving their house or maybe they're in a high-risk population. I treat a lot of old people. So let me just send you this information and amuse you and educate you and inspire you in some way. Just to just to let somebody know that just to let you know that somebody cares. So I start doing that. Around three o'clock I get a message. No, around two two o'clock I get an email from my, from my, uh, no, for three o'clock, I get an email about my 4 p.m. patient. And he says, hey, you know, could I come in next Tuesday? Because I can't even get in my car. I'm like, dude, fucking serious, man. He's like a 20 something year old guy. So I don't know what's going on with this guy. But he doesn't show up. So I got one patient on my schedule. My patient's been coming in a couple times a week. She's a postal worker. She you know, takes quite a beating out there, is stressed out. So this is like how I keep her going. And she's got a lot of issues that I help her deal with. Right? So I'm knocking out this fucking telemedicine stuff. I'm returning emails, I'm doing exam reviews for my anatomy courses, just trying to communicate with people, trying to get everybody, you know, touch base with folks, not excessively, because I know there's a lot of extra communication coming out there, frivolous stuff, just kind of busy work, I'm really trying to contribute in a way that I feel like I can uniquely, authentically. Um, and I treat my patient. It took me more than an hour, longer than an hour, to take care of her, shoot the shit with her, fix her up, take payment, and get on my way. As she's about to leave, I get a message from one of the individuals that I've sent this telemedicine thing. And... It says, uh, I got an email, or I just got a, a piece of mail. It says, I owe you $375. It's from the insurance company. They say that I owe them this money. And this is the standard shit, all right? This is the standard insurance crap. Um, American healthcare bullshit that I'm a part of, okay? So I'm in it. I'm like... I'm not quite a made man in terms of like being a mobster or being um, doing illegal things. I would never do that. But healthcare is a scam. 
all right? It is a fucking, it is kind of scammy. I'll give you an exagger, uh, not exaggerated, uh, a blatant example, and I've talked a little bit on the podcast about this before. You get, you need a hip replacement, God forbid. <clears throat> the hip replacement could cost you tens of thousands of dollars. I've heard, you know, a total hip replacement, that could be like fucking $30,000, $40,000, depending upon where it's conducted and, you know, what kind of problems they run into or whatever they need to do. Now, of that sum, a, um, the, the, the prosthesis, the titanium total hip replacement, the company that makes those um, negotiates basically a really sweet deal. I mean, they get a bundle for making these uh, hip replacements, a bundle. It's a cash cow for them. I'm not quite sure of the science and technology, that the engineering that's involved in it at the moment, you know, I, but I'm sure it's substantial, you know, they got to get this right and precise and sanitation and tools and doctors with, you know, crazy credentials and experience. I understand. I'm saying that that's worth something. I just don't think it's worth $30,000. But that is the price tag that has ultimately been um, concocted. That is the bill of sale. It's all itemized from the freaking, the first patient education and the initial consultation to the incision and the um, sawing off of the head of the femur and the insertion of the total hip replacement and the sutures and the alcohol swabs and the nurses and the doctors and the uh, hazardous waste disposal and all that shit. Anesthesia, anesthe anesthesiologists. So all this stuff is tallied up and the invoice that comes to you, I don't know if you, if you thought that you couldn't, um, I mean, it, it, it's, it's a mess. If you get the EOB or an explanation of benefits for this sort of procedure or, or any medical procedure, it's going to look quite complex. Even if I wanted to write you one, it's going to be written in language that's going to be so sciencey, you know, cervical, thoracic, and lumbar, musculoskeletal dysfunction with myofasciitis, myospasm, um, osteogenesis, friggin' uh, osteochondritis, fucking uh, joint play reduction upon motion palpation, myofascial relief. So there's going to be all these different procedures diagnoses and procedures that we, um, that are, that legitimately, technically describe every procedure that is, that takes place and, you know, what everything is going to cost, what you're going to charge and what's going to cost. So for every medical, uh, intervention, if you will, we describe it. There's a price on it, just like there's a price on every fucking thing, right? This is the world we live in. I'm not saying that, you know, commodities are a bad thing or capitalism is the devil. I'm just saying that uh, it's kind of scammy. 
when you, especially when you hear about other nations on par with the United States, developed nations, first world nations, that can do a hip replacement for $10,000. That's why there's a such thing called travel medicine, where people can go to Hungary or France or whatever, fly over there and, you know, from soup to nuts because it's nationalized medicine or whatever the fucking criteria are, great doctors, state-of-the-art facilities, 10 grand. And I've read articles that suggest that this is a function of these lobbies, you know, the medical lobbies, the prosthetic lobbies, and all of that shit. Like, you got to pay for things, you got to keep the lights on somehow. If you want to be a doctor in America, you're going to be getting paid hundreds of thousands of dollars because, you know, to justify that loan and, and the whole economy that goes into healthcare. And I got to tell you, the reason why I'm not a multimillionaire right now is because I've always had a problem with this shit. I have long had a problem with driving healthcare down people's throats. And so I've never really done it. I've, I've never, um, while I've been out in practice on my own, now when I took my first job out of school, there was some scammy shit going on there, and I was one of the doctors. Uh, but it was basically like <clears throat> a mill. Like everybody that comes in, you know the deal. They got on complicated low back pain. They're going to be coming to see us for, you know, three months, two, three times a week. Getting rehab, getting chiropractic, getting massage, getting diagnostic studies, neurodiagnostics, vascular studies, x-rays, all this shit is going to be a price tag for, and you're going to build the shit out of the insurance company, or you're going to build the shit out of them. How would you like to pay for that? This is your responsibility, you know, and, you know, a lot of people fell for that. They would, you know, and I was just one of the doctors, so I wasn't making the ultimate call, but I was one of the treating doctors, the chiropractors. There's a medical doctor that was uh, that was overseeing everything and who would sign off. But it was kind of a scammy situation. That's why I left that setting. I, I think technically, the reality though is, technically, my boss and that medical doctor, they were doing everything by the book. So all the dots... All the I's were dotted and T's were crossed. And it, there was an entire insurance team. There was like three girls back there with one very astute manager who everything would run through. And all the I's, the, uh, kind of like a money launderer in a way. Like she was fucking sharp as a tack and uh, was, would not um, do anything underhanded or inappropriate financially. So she would make sure that everything would run, they ran a tight ship. But clinically, it was kind of a scam. So the doctor would order everything, and he was a medical doctor. He didn't know shit about musculoskeletal medicine. And I was fresh out of chiropractic college, so I knew everything. I would do every test. I could come up with diagnoses. I could put it in term. I could write, you know, document everything I was doing. But... The, um, the, because the medical doctor was such a freaking, uh, 
a babe in the woods, uh, a pushover. Basically, whoever, you know, the, the my boss, the head chiropractor, would say, all right, well, this is what's going on. We want to treat him. This is what we're recommending. And the medical doctor, not knowing any any better or having been gone out, wine dined and whatever, brought out, coerced uh, into um, signing off. He would sign off on the shit and basically there would be, that patient would come in for three months, three times a week. And that's what we did. And having left that, I was like, fuck, I can never do that. I'm going to run a small time operator. I'm going to be a fucking, um, you know, just my little low overhead practice. I'm going to take care of people from the heart. I'm going to charge them a reasonable price and I'm going to probably make a decent living doing this, but I'm never going to be rich. And so I made that conscious decision, you know, and I've had a problem with that for a long time. You see, because I do believe that healthcare should be a right. In, in the country that America claims to be, where we're the best and we're free and the Constitution and the forefathers and all that shit, I feel like we are the type of country that rates a world-class medical system and is something that's affordable to all and that public health is a priority, And but it's not like that. You know, we chronic disease is rampant. We've just been spoiled as a country. We're fat. We're arthritic. We got diabetes. We're disgusting and we're sick. And we're like this because of uh, it's not because people want to be like this. It's just that we have a lot of creature comforts and we've had it very good for very long. And so you get complacent. We like to watch TV. We like to go to the movies. We like to eat rich food. And we've had the, the disposable income to do all this stuff. As a result, we start to get these um, lifestyle-related illnesses. Or chronic illnesses that are more insidious than any virus. We do them to ourselves. So that is a big-time problem in public health. Maybe if we had our public health as a priority. At least... In American healthcare, public health, public health should be a um, a priority. Public health should be a right. In other words, everybody should be afforded the opportunity and encouraged and incentivized and helped to learn how to eat well and exercise properly and get sleep and reduce stress and, you know, work in a reasonable, healthy, safe environment. There's a lot of things that we could do. We could invest in our people to make them healthy, to give them every opportunity to attain the best possible health. And then we wouldn't need to do all these surgeries and life-saving procedures and all that shit. Our ERs would be empty comparatively. You know, but you know, no society is perfect and it's a it's quite the economic study. America and any um, 
you know, culture, uh, society that you hear about, um, what's the term I'm looking for? What is a society that was once great, but they, like Rome, you know, Rome was awesome, but it's no more, obviously, you know, you got some fucking, you got like remnants of a coliseum and you've got some art and shit like that, but otherwise that society has fallen. And I think that you, if things are too good for too long, problems start to occur. And that's kind of what's gone on with us. You know, we've just literally sold, sold our, have sold our souls and our health because we just enjoy fancy cars and junk food and we're stressed out and so on and so forth. So I don't want to get too far off the, the uh, course here, but just laying the groundwork. His patient's like, hey, you know, we we're a great relationship, took good care of her, took care of her mom, who's like, you know, in her 80s. They loved me. I took good care of them, charged them a fair price. She's getting an EOB or an explanation of benefits from the insurance company whom we are out of network with. And she's like, oh my God. My husband just lost his job. This is not a great time to receive a bill for $375. And I'm bidding farewell to my only patient of the day. And I'm thinking, oh my God. Like I have justified many times before, I get on the horn with this woman and send her a very well-articulated message Hey, check it out. You don't owe me anything. It's kind of like the alcohol swabs and the gauze and the, you know, saline solution and stuff that are, you look on the, the bill and they're itemized to a crazy expense. A chiropractic adjustment, myofascial release, traction, Stretching, exercise instruction, all of that has a price tag on it. It might be $30, $25, in the case of an exam or something, right? All that is added up, and if you got five, four or five or six services that you render, which I do, and I treat my patients very thoroughly and appropriately, it looks like a lot of money. In other words, I'll bill my billing company will bill $250 to maybe get 100 because the insurer will allow probably less than half or a third of the charges. And so I don't know how people, I mean, I'm naive, I was naive to it before I got into healthcare. I still don't profess to have a complete handle on all the details of it. In other words, I don't, I don't, there's some things that I probably don't know, but I've been doing this for 15 years. Basically, the patient did not, um, we were out of network with the insurance company. They had a high deductible. And it looks like the cash, on a cash basis, that she was going to be liable for like hundreds of dollars for a half hour adjustment. And I had to explain to her that that's not the way it is, but basically relate all the things that I just shared with you guys, that this is healthcare in America, man. You're going to look 
down at the uh, bill of lading. You're going to look down at the friggin' invoice, and you're going to be like, oh, my God. You charge me $20 per alcohol swab, and there's 30 alcohol swabs here. How much did that doctor get paid? And we have this, like, sticker shock, you know. But yet, this is really part of the world that we live in. I mean, you have to have a price tag on things. Things definitely cost, you know, to run an economy, to produce goods and services. It's, It's not cheap, you know. And in our society, when people have, when the economy is running, nobody really notices. Nobody thinks boo shit or beans. You know, what's this all about? But every once in a while... Somebody gets an EOB and they're like, oh my God, are you going to... But the answer is this. I'm not going to bill you shit. The only person is somebody um, has sticker shock about an explanation of benefits that has just come in. It says $300. The difference between me and a hospital, the hospital has an entire um, floor probably that's devoted to billing and collections. So they're going to shake people down for that money, for that ER visit when their kid broke their friggin' wrist skateboarding, right? If you if you don't have coverage for that, somebody's going to pay that. You're going to pay it. They're going to send you to a collection agency. Maybe um, if you, you could probably, I don't know if most people knew this, but you can negotiate it down. You owe $1,000. You could probably say, listen, I'll give you two fifty right now. And... They'd rather take that than nothing, which is what they could very well get, especially in an economy like this. You imagine getting a a $300 bill from a doctor, a doctor's office, you know, for a half-hour procedure these days. So, of course, when she adds to the mix the the reality, the uh, intel that her husband just got laid off and he handed her a piece of mail and I'll tell you I don't like going to the mailbox even when things are we're flying high I don't like paying bills I don't like expenses that creep up I don't like credit card statements I don't like to spend money I'm not I'm not cheap per se but I don't I'm just not a high um, I, I don't need a lot I'm not a materialistic individual so it bothers me when I see that our expenses are creeping up or that there's, you know, the income versus overhead is not looking good. Which for most of us these days, it's not. Because people are either out of work or they're scared that they could be. And they certainly are not looking forward to paying their mortgage or their car loan or their student loans. Hell, that was the first thing that I did. I called up and deferred my student loans. I'd never done that in 15 years. So, this is just a ramble about healthcare in America and how it's kind of fucked up. You know, it's kind of fucked up. I guarantee you, people that are getting treatment for COVID 19, despite them saying that all everything's going to be covered, um, people are going to get billed about that shit and people are going to pay some of those bills most people won't because times are just so crazy right now and potentially dire 
but I just think it's very interesting that this is the world that we live in. This is the sort of society that we live in. Empire is the term I was looking for. America is a fucking empire. If we're the best there has ever been, you know, I, by the way, I don't know where we got that from. I don't know. I, I, I love my country more than fucking most people. I'm a staunch uh, patriot from way back. At least my definition of a patriot. I love my country. I love the people that inhabit it. I love all the fine, shiny things that we have. I love my fancy pickup truck here. Not too fancy, but it's nice. I love my nice house, four bedroom, up on a hill, six, seven years old. I'm not ready to give these things up. I'm concerned, you know. I empathize with this woman and I said, listen, I saw one patient today. I filed for unemployment. I filed for disaster loans and the CARES program, the payment Paycheck Protection Program. I filed for all this shit. So I feel your pain, and you ain't gonna. Get, if anybody's gonna bill you, it's gonna be me, and I'm not gonna be doing that. You paid. She paid forty-five dollars cash for her adjustments. Her adjustment. You know. Don't get me wrong. I like when I bill, you know, Blue Cross or something, and I get paid a hundred, hundred fifty bucks. You know, I, I need that, that income. I, 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 it's a good thing when I read that EOB and it comes in and there's a check attached to it. You know, and I'm getting I'm checking or cashing checks for $500, $1,000. You know, I need those. Or that's it. The faucet is freaking shut off. My, you know, two part-time teaching positions... You know, two or three classes at a pop, that ain't going to cut it. You know, there are times where, even in my 15 years of practice, that has been, times have been good. I mean, I love my job. I'm great at it. I love people. I'm, I've helped a lot of people. I've inspired a lot of people. I've been there for a lot of people. I would never be able to make the amount of money that it's it's not even a it's a shit deal for me the amount of well um, how well meaning I am and the beneficence that I put out there in the community as compared to what I the checks that I cash I am confident that I fucking am you know there's fair exchange for everything that I've done at a time where it's taboo to shake hands or hug I'm the type of guy who does business like that. But there are moments, I'll be honest with you, I'm getting a little bit tired of the self-employed thing where I'm busting my ass and making a decent wage and setting my hours and all that shit. But, man, sure would be nice to be uh, working for a company where I would have a retirement, perhaps, and they would match my retirement or there would be um, some vacation days, some sick time, 
you know, if I got injured or something like that, it would be nice to know that the company would have some sort of something for that contingency. I don't know. I don't even know if that's all it's cracked up to be. I just know people who are like, oh yeah, well, I'm uh, I'm out sick and I got all this sick time and yeah, the grass grass is always greener. I'm sure there'd be plenty of people who would like to put on the doctor's coat and uh, you know adjust people for a living. It's a great gig, but it's got its drawbacks. And I guess the point of my ramble is this we can do better with healthcare in America. This is you know, we're seeing it all right now. I'm not trying to dogpile on the rabbit, but this pandemic, in this pandemic, we are seeing very clearly that we don't have the quality health care and the resources that everyone claims we do. Yeah, we've got some great doctors. Yeah, we've got Harvard and we've got Yale and we've got the Ivy Leagues and all these prestigious, uh, you know, boys clubs, good old boys clubs, where if you get a degree from Harvard or whatever, you're going to, I mean, not to take anything away from these folks, they do a great job training their people and they should get paid handsomely for their fine work. But at least some of it is scammy. The system that they are thrust into is scammy. The insurance industry is a racket. It's a racket. I can bill for an adjustment in Pennsylvania. I'm going to get paid $40. Maybe. for Because uh, all I can bill is spinal manipulation. For an adjustment, bill to uh, PPO policy or... Uh, personal injury for an adjustment and all the little things that I itemize in there I can get paid $150 so $40 Medicare $150 insurance or $45 cash well $45 cash is not so sexy it's better than a stick in the eye and if I see four people or you know three or four people in an hour you know that's Friggin' $160 an hour. It's not bad. But there's a lot of pressure and a lot of allure to billing that insurance and getting paid well. And do I look at that EOB and say, oh, well, yeah, you know, I mean, I'm happy to open up the thing and, and see that they paid me $100 for that visit because I was, I'm only able to charge $45 cash because people come in on a frequency once a week once every couple weeks trying to be fair trying to go easy on people's pocketbooks fair exchange for a chiropractic adjustment is 45 or 50 bucks cash it's just kind of the way it is it's the way the market is structured it's the way that my profession is structured I have some frustrations about it. And I don't like hearing, you know, although I'm responsible for this woman's inquiry, and I I, uh, answered her appropriately, and we're cool, I don't like being part of a system like this. Part of me would like to just, you know, adjust people 
cash $45 a pop and have some day job or whatever where I have benefits and retirement and vacation pay. Vacation pay? I just shut down my office. That's all I can do. I'm tired of that. 45 years old. And this is, you know, like my road to hoe. And so obviously now, and I'm cool, I'm doing all right. I hope I don't, I'm sure I don't sound like that right now, but I'm cool. I understand that this is a fucked up situation and we all just have to be patient and and wait until we get the all clear and we can actually survive this pandemic. But on the other side of this thing, I don't know, you know, what my job situation is going to look like. I love chiropractic care. I love helping people and I stand by the work that I've done and the integrity by which I've I've done it. But I don't like being part of this this system, this entity. It feels icky. I don't feel like I'm, even though I've helped a shitload of people, I feel like I'm, I feel like I'm in the mob in a bit, to a degree. I feel like I'm in the fucking mob. Like it's a big sale. I don't know if every, maybe everything's like that. Maybe everything's like that. Every profession, you know. Maybe I've been watching Ozark too much. I don't know. All I can say in in, uh, in closing, it's 8 o'clock at night. I saw this patient, my last patient of the day at 5.30. Took me an hour and a half to treat her. And another half hour to answer to this person who whose heart I felt and I wanted to help her. And I wanted her to understand and know that I am on the up and up and I would never want to, you know, overcharge her for a service or anything like that, which I did not. But um, unless you're in healthcare, I don't know if you fully appreciate these things. Or maybe in your line of work, you might have something that is, uh, is comparable. I don't know. But I think that some things in this country need to change. And this pandemic hopefully will be a catalyst for change. This should be an illustration that everyone deserves a baseline degree of health benefit. Everyone should be afforded optimal public health. You know? Not that we are a fucking third world country around here, but, you know... We claim to be the best. This notion of American exceptionalism, like we are number one. If we are number one, how the fuck do people not have masks and gloves and all this shit? And here we are in our shiny cars with our fancy restaurants, with our nice vacations, cruising around on fucking boats. People still don't have money in the bank, but we've got this this expensive cost of living 
that is just a scam. I've never fallen, fell, fell for it. I've never wanted to be, I was never willing part of it. But I guess I kind of am like everyone else. I'm a little bit ashamed. I'm, I want America to be the best. I want us to be a leader. I want us to be proud of, of our country and of our work and really proud. I want us to be a leader. And right now, I just, I just, we're a bunch of bickering fools. And I hope on the far side of this thing, we've got some realizations. I'm actually looking forward to that in my own life and in others, in, in, you know, globally, nationally. I hope we can be better. I've got an idea. I'm going to, I've put it a little bit down on paper that, uh, I've been looking for this kind of epiphany, something that I can extract from this time and uh, move on to to utilize it to uh, like, you know, an epiphany, a uh, some sort of shining moment, something that I could emerge with when this is all, when we get the all clear and we go back out into society, what kind of lesson? And there are so many, right? But um, I'll talk about that tomorrow morning. All right, this is a long podcast, but uh, sincere. Love and respect, my friends. Huh!